You're listening to episode one of the Under Further Review podcast. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Under Further Review, a podcast from the Walk-On blog. I'm your host, Spencer Robb, and today I've got two of our distinguished writers with me today. I've got Jordan Riddick and Colin Tong. Uh, Colin, go ahead and introduce yourself, man. Um, all right. Well, first of all, it's a pleasure to be on the show. Um, I am going to be finishing up my last semester of undergrad this fall at Liberty University, but currently I am back home in Buffalo, New York. Um, so you guessed it. I'm a proud member of the Bills Mafia. Um, go Bills. Go Sabres. Um, I like all things sports. Um, for the walk-on blog, I cover the NBA, the NFL, and college basketball, but I do follow baseball. I follow a little bit of soccer, so sports have been my life, and they will probably continue to be my life. So, yeah, happy to be awesome. here. Yeah, glad to have you on. Jordan Riddick, our editor-in-chief as well. Jordan, how you doing? I'm doing just fine. Um, it's a, I like Cullen said, it's an honor and a pleasure to be a part of this uh, first uh wave of podcasts so it's going to be a, a very exciting yeah i'm excited to start this up for the people that read our blogs read our content if you, and if you don't uh jordan you want to tell them what website they can do, go to to find our stuff at yeah we have a wix site um which is uh right now it's under my name um but hopefully as <laughs> uh time moves forward we can change that but as of right now it's jordanriddick.wixsite.com slash the walk on blog um, but you can follow our social medias which i will let you plug right here spencer since you are our um social media analyst for for the blog yeah so me and um another uh writer as well jason prill we run our fa- our uh not our facebook yet um <laughs> our twitter and our instagram pages they're both handles are at the walk on blog very easy to uh, remember. So go ahead and give us a follow, uh, share the stuff that we that we have, uh, and interact with us. We love to have the interaction with all y'all. So guys, without further ado, let's get into the show. Um, the first topic that I want to bring up is from the NFL. Uh, recently, Joe Buck went on uh, Andy Cohen's Sirius XM radio show and had this to say about what the NFL is going to do and potentially do this upcoming season um, if fans are not allowed in the stands. I think whoever's going to be at that control is going to have to be really good at their job and and be realistic with how a crowd would react in in doing games with no fans, which uh, will be difficult. I think Fox and these networks have to put crowd noise under us to to make it as normal a viewing experience at home. You think they'll do that? I do. Yeah, I, I think really? they'll do it. I know. In fact, I know they'll do it. Um, and they are to the that's point that's now the conversation right now. That's that's it's pretty much a done deal. I, I... So Joe Buck obviously um, has has his own thoughts on this and on what uh, the NFL thinks they're going to do. Jordan, I want to start with you. Um, what do you think about Joe Buck's comments regarding what the NFL potentially is going to do for their broadcast? Yeah, I think um, as a sports broadcaster myself, I I think what he's saying uh, is kind of true uh, in that he, he already 
has got a, a sense of what Fox plans on doing. And for if Fox is going to do it, then you would expect NBC, CBS, and ESPN um, to follow with this. Um, I will say, in my experience, I have done games where uh, there's not a lot of people in the stands, and I've done games where there it's a packed house. And I can tell you, it's really hard to call games and be excited, especially when there's no fans in the stands. And I say all this to say that it kind of sounds like he really uh, would like this to happen, but he also understands that it's going to be difficult for somebody to do uh, the job as a sound engineer uh, to make sure that what we're hearing is very accurate to if we actually had fans in the stands, because what you don't want to do is create the sound that wouldn't match um, what you would typically hear. And so I think what he's saying is uh, they're going to do it, but they better be good at their job or else it's going to sound really bad. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And Colin, I want to ask you this with, with this idea, with Jordan's point, you know, it's totally different as a broadcaster when there's not a lot of people in the stands. Uh, how do you think the players as well will will take not having any fans in the stands? And then potentially, you know, I don't know if they'll implement crowd noise during games, like in the stadium, what that's going to look like. Uh, a lot of rookies have gone on record saying that it's going to be weird without any fans, but they're ready to go. So what's your take on potentially – the players being influenced by having no fans. Yeah, it's definitely going to be weird for them. Um, I feel like it's going to be split. There's going to be a bunch of guys that, like you said, the rookies, they just want to get out there. Obviously, this isn't the first season that they're going to envision growing up their whole lives. Like, I'm sure Chase Young knew he was going to the league once he started playing football. And to think that, oh, my first season is going to be in stadiums with no fans like I'm sure he doesn't want that but then there's guys that just want to get out there and just play the game they love for the players that don't want to play with the fans um or the ones that don't want to play if there's no fans I can understand it obviously they they want the fans to be there they want them cheering them on and especially when you have a good fan base like the Bills Mafia um home games are really important to you because you can get behind your crowd and the crowd can get behind you and honestly change the game. Um, if they do implement crowd noise in the stadiums, which I could definitely see them doing, especially if they want to do it during the broadcast, um, that's going to be a tough challenge for, like Jordan said, the sound engineers. They got to get it just right. And a lot of stadiums are a lot different. You could get um, a crowd in Seattle and they're super loud, or you could get a crowd maybe in. Uh, Los Angeles with the Chargers where they haven't had a lot of s tickets being sold just because their stadium's pretty small and they're not going to have the same amount of crowd noise as Seattle or Buffalo or Kansas City would. So in that aspect, it's it's going to be really hard to judge what stadium should get even more or less. But in terms of the players, I don't know. I would feel bad. If I were a player, I would definitely want to play in front of fans, especially my family, even if they're not allowed to go. So. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's pretty tough. Pretty tough on them, especially like the rookies that want their families there for their first NFL game, and yeah. can't happen. Well, well, Jordan, I want to I want to turn it back to you for a second because with that, you know, there's so many stadiums. I believe that you know, like Cowboys Stadium, for example, that's just ginormous. And you also have play. You have you have places like the University of Florida that has said that they mm -hmm. are willing to host NFL games 
do you, do you foresee with college stadiums? Let's 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 just say that college football and NFL come back as normally scheduled. Mm-hmm. Do you see the potential for universities to open up their stadiums on Sundays for teams that may have larger stadiums that they won't necessarily need to use, or will they? Do you think they're going to keep the same stadium that they have? Um, I think that'll be not as much of a problem as you may think it may be. Um, I think in terms of if college stadiums will be used, uh, will be for teams in a certain state that may not uh, be open yet. Um, I know we're a ways away and hopefully by the time we get around to August, um, the, the um, pandemic will be at a point where we can maybe see, um, you know, players playing in a, a place where, um, for example, California, uh, the new SoFi Stadium for the Rams and the Chargers. Let's say that they don't have clearance from the government to use that stadium yet or uh, allow professional sports to go on in California, which that is a very high probability at this point that that happens. Uh, then you have to look elsewhere and maybe they look to a state nearby to a college stadium that's uh, a, a decent size, um, you know, to where they could play their games. I don't see a team necessarily changing to a smaller stadium just because it'll provide a more uh, tight feel or whatever, uh, because regardless uh, this season, we're probably going to play in front of no fans either way. So even uh, if you move to uh, Gainesville, and play in front of that state. That's still a big stadium. <laughs> uh, and I don't, I don't know the numbers, um, but I, I, I would be positive uh, to kind of compare it to a Jacksonville stadium or to the Buccaneer stadium. So, you know, to move it to a college, just because you're playing in front of fans, uh, not playing in front of fans doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, because it's generating no revenue and you know, you play in a certain spot for a reason. So to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense for them to move to a college. Yeah, I'd agree. I think that when you're looking at the difference between college and, and pros, I will say this though. I think that because of the fact that college football is so popular and we've, and you know, I think from a broadcasting sense, you know, their setup is sometimes equivalent to some NFL stadiums. So they would be ready in that, in that sense. But I I think that when you, when you try to go somewhere else, you know, it, I, I feel like it would not only throw off the opponent that's coming in, it also throws off your team. I mean, you've got to keep your team in your stadium uh, under your own controlled environment because this this pandemic is already as crazy as it is and to make these kinds of changes where you're wanting to move to a college stadium for the season you know uh, already not having fans is is bad enough for the players because they really want to go out there and a lot of times they feed off of that energy and i think if you're trying to move them over to a college field it, you know it just it feels like it's almost like when a varsity team get sent to a JV field because the varsity field's not ready for their game. Like that's the equivalent I would use for that. I just, I don't know. I think that, you know, when you're talking about this, 
you, you got to keep them on this on the same field. Yeah, and to add to that, I would also say uh, that's not planning for the future very well in terms of what if halfway through the season uh, we get to a point where we can allow fans back into the stadiums. And now you have this agreement where, you know, oh, well, y'all are still coming in week 13 or 14 or whatever, right? Well, no, you know, it, it just becomes very sticky with the business. So you have to, you know, kind of factor that in as well. Yeah. So let's let's uh, let's change gears here for a second. So obviously the NFL is probably NFL and college football, I would believe, are two sports that really have not, have yet to be impacted by uh, the pandemic. It will come. There is going to be a time it's college football is already making decisions. NFL is making decisions. But the MLB has been in the news recently and. It's some mixed reviews. Um, the the MLB and the owners they made an agreement to plan to start to come back in July, start the season in July, have an eighty two game season, and a lot of players are not happy about it. And there's a lot of mixed reviews as well. Most notably, um, the most uh, negative feedback I would say from any kind of player was Tampa Bay pitchers uh, and All Star Blake Snell. Uh, he was actually on Twitch when asked this question about the MLB revenue split. And he said, quote, y'all got to understand, man, for me to go, for me to play, to take a pay cut is not happening because the risk is through the roof. It's a short season, less play. And then, you know, you've got other players saying like, like Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer has been very um, open and honest about any kind of situation that's happening with the MLB. He's had um, some great quotes about the Houston Astros incident he's now got some great quotes about this saying that um, the 50 50 split is not collectively bargained and it should be it would just be for the season he, he also went to say quote if i'm gonna trust my salary to rob manfred's marketing the game to make the game more money i am out on that so jordan what are your thoughts about um this divide between the players and the owners right now I um when initially when the comments about Blake Snell originally came out, I of course you know you have your snap judgments and at at first I was like wow this guy is very uh, forthcoming about his feelings uh, in terms of you know how he feels towards the initial um, proposal by the owners. Um, I'm just a little shocked that, um, he was so forthcoming with that. Um, especially considering, uh, the state of everything. Um, this is a first pro- proposal, uh, from the owners. Uh, when's the last time anything got signed on the first try in terms of collective bargaining? Um, that, that's a farce. Okay. Let me just tell you that right now. Um, it's not going to be a 50 50 split when we finish this thing off. Um, but I think the message from the owners is this year will be different. And I think the players have to realize that if they want to play, if they don't want to play, then don't play and make that clear, but don't act like it's about the money because if you want to make it about safety, then I'm all for that because honestly, we don't know everything about this virus yet. 
and we probably won't for a very long time. So if you want to make it about safety, make it about safety. But if you want to make it about money, then shut your mouth. That doesn't make any sense. You're talking about millions and billions of dollars here, and we have millions of people unemployed because of this. And you have a chance yeah. to... I mean, baseball coming back is not going to restart the economy, um, but it will be for the betterment of America. It will lead us to feeling um, like we've come back to a little bit of a little bit more of normal. Um, but I think that his comments were very untimely, if anything. Um, he can think what he he wants to think, um, but I hate the fact. Um, that initially he made it out to be more about the money than his health. Um, and I think he kind of reneged and came back on that idea a little bit since the days of those comments. But man, I, I think Stephen A, I was, uh, Stephen A Smith, uh, I was watching uh first take, I believe it was yesterday. And he just made a good point that, it's not really his fight because th there's a players association for that. Um, this players right. association has dominated, dominated the, the MLB for years. There is no salary cap. There's no nothing. There's barely been any collective bargaining period for the league ever. It, the NBA hasn't even been able to do that. So, and I think they're also, and you talk about the difference between NBA in the MLB here, uh, there's a level of trust with Adam Silver in the NBA. Uh, th it seems like there's not a lot of trust with Rob Manfred in the MLB. Yeah, exactly. Um, Colin, what what is your what's your take on this? What how do you think um, these players are acting right now in terms of this? And do you see uh, an agreement between the owners and the players to either allow them to get their get their pay that they want and play the season or do you see them the players maybe putting their foot down and we don't see a baseball season I think Jordan said it best when he said if you want to if you want to make your point about safety then put your foot down on safety but if you want to be a talk about money then just be quiet because like you said there's a lot of people out you, these guys are playing a sport and yeah they're very good at it but all in all they're playing a game and making millions of dollars when there's people out there that are trying to fix what the situation that we're in right now that aren't making nearly as much as they are. So in terms of that, yes, make your mark about safety. Stop talking about money because we all know you have the money. So what's there to argue about? In terms of reaching an agreement, I don't think there's going to be any agreement anytime soon. I think that the players, there are going to be the players that just want to play. They want to get out there on the diamond because that's what they've spent their whole life doing is playing a game that they love so they're going to go out there regardless and then there's going to be players like Snell and I saw Bryce Harper backed him up and that are just going to say oh I want my money oh I'm not going to go out there and play baseball unless I get my money so yeah it's going to be split throughout the league so and because of that I don't think there's going to be any sort of agreement that gets reached soon they may go ahead and say, okay, if you want to play, you can. If you want to take the pay cut, you can. And the rosters may be a lot different. We may not have the superstars like Bryce Harper because he wasn't willing to take a paycheck and pay cut. My bad. 
wasn't willing to take a pay cut. But then we're going to have the guys that we're willing to take the pay cut that just want to play baseball. So we could get a season like that, very shortened season, very abnormal season to say the least. But we could get some semblance of something like that if they're able to work out. Like if you don't want to take the money, then fine, sit at home, don't keep arguing, keep arguing with us. But we want these guys want to play baseball. We want to have baseball. The fans want to have baseball. So let's give it to yeah. them. Yeah, well, I, I think also, so this is also plugging stuff on our website as well. If you go to the, the Walk On blog website, you'll see an article written by Jason Prill about this issue and about how he's kind of fed up with, you know, millionaires trying to say that the billionaires are wrong and the billionaires are trying to say the millionaires are wrong. I I agree with all three of you guys. I I can't stand the fact that we've got players here that are, haggling over you know two or three million dollars of what they're getting i mean blake snell is supposed to be getting seven million coming into this year and if he gets two and a half and that's really his concern i i mean you ask anyone on the you ask any kid that was is that's in the minors right now that they get two and a half million dollars if they got to play in the league they'd take it in a heartbeat i mean there's there's some players out there i get I get the safety issue. I totally understand that. I think right now with with how much we know, but even even more to that, how much we don't know, there's a lot of concern. There's a big question mark around sports right now because I feel like that, you know, sports could be a very vulnerable place for athletes to get sick. But I think if you take the necessary precautions, you stick to those precautions and you, you know, you stay with the things that the MLB has made apparent needs to happen. I don't see a problem going out there and playing because if they if they decide to do it in one location and they quarantine those guys in different hotels, apartments, whatever, then, you know, if, if everyone's fine, like a 14 day quarantine before the season starts, what's the issue? You know, you're out there, you're playing, you're playing baseball, you're getting paid. I don't you know, I think that if you really want the game to come back, don't fight over a couple million dollars to make it happen. So we are actually coming up on our first break. When we come back, we're going to be talking uh, Tyson Holyfield 3 and what that looks like right now. And then also uh, a little bit of recap on the last two episodes of The Last Dance, what we've thought about the, uh, about the documentary so far, and the next two episodes coming up tomorrow on ESPN and ESPN2. And just a little bit of rapid fire questions for uh, the end of the show. So for our first break, this is the Under Further Review podcast. Stay tuned for more. All right. And we're back. The Under Further Review podcast. Guys, we have gone through a lot so far. And this story I found very interesting that we're about to talk right now. Um, I was looking through trying to find some you know, interesting things to talk about. And Yahoo Sports came out with an article on May 11th saying that there might be a Tyson-Holyfield matchup. The 57-year-old Holyfield is getting back into shape and making a comeback for exhibition matches for charity. And also uh, throughout Instagram, we've seen Mike Tyson getting ready as well, the 53-year-old getting in shape and saying he wants to return to the sport Famously quoting Jordan by saying, I'm back at the end of his video. Uh, Colin, I want to start with you. Tyson Holyfield 3. Would you pay to see it? 
And do you think it should happen? Yeah, I'm paying to see that. Are you kidding me? Uh, we get a third fight between these two two greats in boxing. Um, obviously, we know that Holyfield won the first fight. Then they rematched, and it was the Mike Tyson ear incident when he bit off Holyfield ears. I mean, that's kind of insane. And the fact that they want to do this for charity, I think that's a great idea. Um, I mean, have you guys seen the videos of Tyson training? The dude looks like he's still kind of in his prime. He hasn't doesn't look like he's let up really anything at all. So if they want to duel it out, I say let them. I'll I'll definitely pay to see that. I mean, one of the biggest rivalries in boxing. Um, we're not sure how Tyson really how they feel about each other, but I mean, if they want to do it for charity, they must feel a little something, little sympathy. Might be friends now. I don't know, but yeah, definitely something I want to see. I think it should happen. I think it's a great idea, and I want to see how they do it out. Both in their fifties now. Um, so we'll see how that works, how long they can go. But in terms of boxing, it looks like Tyson's on the right track. It looks like Holyfield's on the right track. But I think it'll be a funny sight to see two 50-year-old dudes going at it. But hey, that's Man, just I'll tell you what. I Watching those those videos and watching watching how aggressive Tyson is still at 53 years old, That's to me, that's insane. I have never seen a 53-year-old box the way that he can box i i'd love to see him go against guys that are you know right now that are taking over the boxing world because i think you know and colin i want to ask you this as well with the boxing world kind of taking a back seat to ufc right now you know could this propel the boxing world back into uh mainstream sports news um i think ufc is on the right track i think like you said ufc is about a if they haven't already, is about to take a big step over boxing um, just because a lot more people want to see more engagement, I guess, in the fights rather than fists. But, yeah, this – I didn't even think of it like that, so that's a great point. I think this event, even if it's just a charity and it's not a real boxing match, could definitely spring up a lot of revenue, A, for charity, and B, just bring up a lot more attention back to the sport of boxing. Everyone wants to see McGregor go against – Khabib and they just kick each other and which is amazing to see I love watching that stuff but nobody's really involved in just the fist fighting anymore but something like this when you bring back two legends it's kind of like the Jordan documentary you bring back some nostalgia for the older guys and the older viewers but you also introduce some of the younger guys like even us we didn't get to see I wasn't alive when they fought um so something that I always wanted to see was Mike Tyson fight, and now I can get it. So that'll pique my interest in boxing a little bit more, especially if it's a good fight. But like like I said, it's nostalgic for the older viewers, and it's something new for the younger viewers that they've never seen before. So yeah, definitely it'll be it'll be a good boost for the sport of boxing. I'm not sure if it, this one event will propel something that boxing is just going to skyrocket and UFC is going to tank. I don't think that's going to happen at all, but I think it'll be a good good revenue check. The viewers will be satisfied, and Tyson Holyfield, I guess, will be satisfied since it's for charity. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, your thoughts on the potential for uh, Tyson Holyfield? The only thing that could come out positive about this fight is that it's for charity. Look, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not much of a, a fighter um, in terms of uh, that type of sport doesn't necessarily get me going. I, 
rarely pay for pay-per-view. Um, just fighting does not intrigue me as uh, other t- team sports do. Um, but what, what I will say um, in, in my limited knowledge is one, while yes, on social media, these, these men may look like uh, they're in decent shape. Um, but there's there's something called movie magic, and who's to know what we're actually looking at there? Uh, like you said, um, Mike Tyson is 53, and Evander Holyfield is 57. Okay, that's not young. And to anybody who is around that age, I'm sorry, but that's the truth, especially when we're talking about boxing, <laughs> smacking yourself, in other people hitting your head, smacking you in the head punching you in the gut i just don't see how that is safe and the other thing is this will do nothing to help anybody's legacy uh who no matter who wins it does absolutely nothing to prove who's better because both of these guys are old old men boxing i think it's just another i I will i will say i will say though i mean you look at have you ever seen a 53-year-old and a 57-year-old in the, in the shape, the physical shape that both Tyson and Holyfield are in right now? I, I've never I – don't, I don't research old people working out, so I, I wouldn't say that I have. Probably not, but I, <laughs> I, they're the only two people I've ever seen working out. I, I'm just – I'm a little concerned because the health risk for somebody getting whacked in the head at 23 is different than an old man – getting punched in the face uh it is it is dangerous dangerous i would say and i think this is just another sad attempt for boxing to try to come back um they tried it with mcgregor and made it a a big deal and that didn't work out you uh, i think ufc has definitely flopped right over boxing and i don't think boxing has much of a shot to come back. Yeah. Well, I, I think you see how, I guess you would see, you know, how old boxing is and, and how this new generation of, of fighting and wrestling as, as a whole is now transitioning. I mean, we're seeing, you know, the generation of Tyson, Holyfield, Muhammad Ali, Sonny Liston, guys like that, like boxing is now of a thing of the past. And now you're seeing UFC, and I think the only reason that you see headlines like this and then the McGregor and Mayweather fight was because boxing wants to try and stay relevant. I mean, let's be honest. When you go on ESPN and you see that there's a boxing match on ESPN, but then on ESPN2 there's something else to watch, I guarantee you most people are turning are tuning into ESPN2 or they're finding another channel. I mean, boxing has just, in a sense, become irrelevant. And I don't get me wrong. I like, like Colin said, you know, I, I did not, I think I was just, I was just born in 97 when Tyson and Holyfield met for the second time and, and Tyson got disqualified for, for biting Holyfield's ear off or a part of it. But, you know, I never, I was never around when that happened, but to be able to watch two of arguably the greatest boxers to ever fight, go at it even at their age I think is impressive and you know I obviously I don't I don't look up what 53 year old men working out either but (laughs) you see the videos and you see the stuff that's out there and they 
I, I could imagine that it's made for content. It's made to excite people. But, I mean, Tyson looks just as fit as he did when he was in his, his prime state of fighting. And if we see it once and we see it only once for charity, I'm not against it. I would love to see the fight. You know, when you get two big names like this that are coming out and say, and, and you know, Holyfield saying it'd be a win-win-win if Tyson wanted to fight, I think it sparks a bit more interest in the sport. Now, I think it would be a flash in the pan for the sport, but I think it would still be interesting, and I think you'd see boxing kind of gain a dim light on the sports world for the most part. So let's just move on from that topic, and I want to go back to the NFL. This is not something that um, I planned on talking about, but I think needs to be addressed and it needs to be talked about with you guys, and I want to hear your feedback. The NFL, guys, the NFL is digging themselves in a hole right now lately. They are apparently proposing a new rule or a new thing to go with the Rooney rule, and for those of you who don't know what the Rooney rule is, um, you guys can correct me on this, but to my knowledge, uh, the Rooney rule is in, is in place to essentially give minority coaches the ability to be interviewed for a head coaching position when the job comes open. And now they're proposing incentives for GMs to hire minority leaders for their GM position and uh, coaching positions in the NFL. And to me, I, I find this incredibly disrespectful to anyone of, of any kind of minority because it, it just, it just seems like they're, they're like Michael Wilbon said on PTI, it's essentially a game show. And they say, you can come down and if, and if you hire him, you get to move up to the second round of the draft. So uh, either this is for both of you guys, but whoever wants to chime in can, what are you guys' take on this? I just think this is a horrible, horrible move by the NFL right now. Uh, I'll go first. Um, I think that uh, when I initially saw this, uh, all I knew is that the NFL was trying to uh, incentivize hiring minorities um, through the draft. That's that's the first thing I saw. I didn't hear about the third round. Um, I didn't see any of that. Um but my initial thought was, it, is this not a little bit racist? Like, incentivizing people to choose one race over another. Like, I feel like that's literally the definition of racism. So, and it, it's in the inverse. Like, how is it not just as bad as not hiring somebody for their race and then to add on top of that then you find out it's yeah yeah
Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll to give a little bit of context to the proposal, the proposal would be uh, you can move up 10 spots in the draft if a if it hires a person of col- of color for its primary football executive, usually the GM. And then in addition, if a team hires a minority candidate for both jobs, that being the GM and the head coach in the same year, the team would jump up 16 spots. And I'm sorry, but for Roger Goodell to actually like listen to this proposal is completely beyond the realm of, of understanding. Like, of understanding, I should say, like everyone, I would say right now in, in all the professional sports leagues, the most disliked commissioners are Rob Manfred and Roger Goodell. And Roger Goodell has been hated for years. He gets constantly booed at the draft and anywhere he walks. And, and it's just, to me, it's so unbelievable that he actually would let this come across his desk, sit there and contemplate and go, you know what? This is not a bad proposal. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that I I, I want to also highlight the fact that Michael Wilbon said he wants to take the fact that they're trying to get more people of color into the league. And that's like that's the only good thing about this situation. That's it. And I agree with that because my and also my thing is, if he's if that coach or that GM is the right fit for your organization, hire him. Doesn't matter what color he is. Doesn't matter what, what any of that. It doesn't matter if you're going to move up in the draft. It should matter if he fits your system or if he comes in with his his own idea and says, you know, I want to implement this. I think this is how we improve your team. And that that should all be based on is his his experience. And what he brings to the table for your organization. Yeah, I like Colin, what you just said. It should be the best guy for the job. It shouldn't depend on what color you are. It shouldn't depend on even what gender you are. It should depend on is your plan seemingly going to work. And one thing I was just thinking about: how many if this this goes through and this actually happens, how many times are we going to see a head coach, a minority head coach, be hired? They do the season. They get their draft pick, and they get fired. Do we? I don't think that that should not be the case at all. I don't think any people with any sort of respect should do that. But it's an interesting topic or an interesting idea that a team would. Obviously, Goodell is kind of. I don't want to say racist, but it's kind of what Jordan said. It's racist to have this happen. So are there any owners out there that are going to be like, oh, let's, let, this is a great idea. If I hire this guy for one season, I get my third-round pick. I draft the next whoever. It turns out to be a big thing, and one year later the coach is gone just because they wanted to get one pick for one draft. That's Obviously, that's far and beyond, but I was just thinking about it. But, yeah, I think it should be the best man for the job or the best woman for the job. Um, obviously, everybody has a different system. Everyone has their own thoughts and opinions, but it doesn't matter what color you are. Everyone is capable of their own thoughts and making decisions that can benefit a team or not benefit a team. Obviously, some coaches work out, some don't, but you don't. You should not be looking at one's color and saying, "Yeah, I'm not. I'm going to hire him now. I want to hire him because I get a pick." Like, no. If you should be hiring him because of the system that he can bring in and help your team, not because you're going to third round pick. And that's the only way he's going to help your team. Yeah. I think uh, Roger Goodell is incredibly out of touch right now. And I hope that the NFL sees this kind of backlash that's happening 
and immediately shuts down that proposal. So we're going to move on from that topic because I feel like we could talk about that forever. Um, let's turn the focus of attention to the NBA and not the league itself, but the documentary that's currently running on ESPN, 30 for 30 and Netflix partnered together um, to make a 10 part documentary series about the Chicago Bulls. They had a camera crew come in for the entire season of the 1997-98 championship run when they were on their way to their second uh, three-peat where they ended up winning six overall titles with Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman. And the documentary highlights a lot of interesting points about Scottie's underpaid salary, uh, the rocky relationship they all had with general manager Jerry Krause, uh, Dennis Rodman and the things he went through, the things that Michael went through. We learned a lot about Jordan in this documentary. Uh, so Jordan, with the last two episodes that came out recently, seven and eight, what is your reaction to those episodes and what the documentary has shown you throughout this whole uh, time period? Yeah, I think the documentary, um, of course, when it first was announced, I was excited because I do believe that Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. But I did not live through the time that he played. And it kind of takes me back through that time and adds more context to the feeling that I already felt about Michael Jordan and kind of has allowed me to relive some of the things that happened and some of the things that I didn't know Um And of course, I've always come to the same conclusion after every episode, but after seven and eight, um, it really showed me uh, how bad um, the man wanted to win the game, Uh, especially at at the end of seven, uh, when he gets choked up about talking uh, about his uh, just desire to win the game and the way he pushed his teammates. and I think he does, Jordan does understand uh, that he probably went too far sometimes. Um, but it was all because he wanted to win the game. Um, and so he feels justified in what he did and feels justified in, in how he went about it because he had so much success. But he knows that, that it comes at a cost. And I think that that is an idea that's that's kind of, Few and far between now that, you know, especially in today's NBA, people do not want their feelings hurt, period. And I think that um, it's just kind of watered down uh, the the competitiveness a little bit in the league. Um, But I I think that um, this really I, I personally think that this documentary should solidify uh, any doubt that Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think when you look at where the NBA has gone and where it is now, you know, I think honestly, I think LeBron James is going to be once he leaves the league and he retires, he's going to be probably one of the last guys that has that kind of drive that Jordan Kobe those guys had. And also, you know, I've, I learned a lot from this documentary. I learned a lot about Jordan. Uh, the kind of person he was on and off the court. I also understood and learned a lot about his teammates and how while they wanted to win a title, they didn't have that same kind of spark 
that Jordan had and Scotty had as well. I think Scotty fed off of a lot of what Jordan had. And especially when Jordan left to play baseball, Scotty felt the necessary uh, kick in the pants that he needed to be the number one guy to keep the Bulls relevant after Jordan left because, you know, he wanted to prove to himself and the rest of the world that he was just as capable as be of being the Batman as he was the Robin. And I think that that's very much lost in the game right now. There's a lot of um, loyalty to money rather than loyalty to the organization and loyalty to winning a title with the guys that you're around. It's all about building the super team rather than building a franchise for the future. Uh, Colin, what are your thoughts? What have you, what have you enjoyed most about this documentary? Okay. So there's three things and, I want to start with this documentary, like Jordan said, has, I always believed that Jordan was the best, but like he said, I wasn't alive for that. Um, this documentary solidified my opinion that Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. Now, the three things that have stuck out to me the most, one, sneakers. I I know Jordans are huge now, and it's been 20, 30 years since the first Jordan came out. Um, which is crazy. The one number that stuck out to me was within the first four years of Jordan's being a shoe brand, they wanted to sell $4 million worth, or within the first four years, they wanted to sell $3 million worth of shoes. And within the first year, they sold $126 million. That was, I laughed when I saw that. I was like, no way, like, this is impossible. And they showed a clip of Justin Timberlake, who we all know, not a basketball guy. But he had to have Jordans when he was a kid. He had to have Jordans. Everyone wanted Jordans. And even today, the fact that they're still one of the biggest businesses in the world are Nike shoes and Jordans. And to think that Jordan wasn't even going to go to Nike, but he went because his mom made him to be respectful to give Nike a chance and to hear what they had to say. That was one thing that was incredible to me. Number two, I think along with being the best basketball player that the world has ever seen I think Michael Jordan is the greatest competitor that this the world has ever seen um obviously we look and he's going out and dropping 40 and 30 a night but then in episode 8 they brought up the the Washington Bullets rookie guard LeBradford Smith um when he went off in the playoffs against the Bulls for 37 points and apparently LeBradford Smith went up to Jordan and said nice game Michael and this is some rookie going up to Michael Jordan 1993 and saying, nice game, Michael, like, just to be a nice guy or maybe rub it in Jordan that a rookie out, outplayed him that game. So the next night, Jordan went out and said, I'm going to drop as many points as this guy did in the first half. And Jordan went out and scored 36 in the first half, and or 35 in the first half, and with 47 in the game. And then it comes out that, that the Bradford Smith story never happened. He never went up and told Michael, nice game. But Jordan needed something to push him to be the best player on the floor. And the fact that that story wasn't even real, but Jordan needed that shows that he, he would do anything to win, even making up a fake story in his mind and putting it out into the entire the media. That was something incredible to see. And then obviously, like Jordan said, the the ending of episode seven, when he, he recognized the cost, but uh, he just wanted to win. And it ended... The I think a lot of people on Twitter are really liking this the clip of them training, and Jordan says, "quote Look, 
winning has a price and leadership has a price. So I pulled people along when they didn't want to be pulled. I challenged people when they didn't want to be challenged. When people see this, they're going to say, well, he wasn't really a nice guy. He may have been a tyrant. Well, that's you because you never won anything. And Jordan went on to say like things that we didn't really think about. Like he wanted to win, but he wanted those guys to win with him. And that was something that really stuck out to me. Like, yeah, these entire documentaries and pointing out, oh, he would do anything it took. He'd do anything it takes to win. But he was doing it for the other guys, too. He wasn't always just doing it for himself. So that was really something cool. And then the third thing for me is the idea that, oh, shoot, now I forgot. You gotta, you gotta love when you come up with stuff and then, and then all of a sudden it just, it just uh, goes away from you at the last. Gotta write it down, Colin. Come on, man. Yeah, (laughs) I might have brought it up there, the competitor, but yeah, okay, that, that's about it. Oh, (laughs) wait, no, okay, go ahead. If I think about it, I might take a link, but we can go ahead. All right, (laughs) we got thirty seconds until break, Um, guys. In one word, describe. what you're what you're most looking forward to from these next two episodes i'm looking forward to uh whether or not they ask him about the shot and whether or not he pushed off of uh that jazz defender in uh in the last the last game he played for the bulls the shot all right well with that we're gonna go to our final break before we close out the show Thank you guys for listening to the Under Further Review podcast and come back with us from break. All right, guys, welcome back to the Under Further Review podcast. We've talked a lot about the NFL, Last Dance, MLB. And so now I kind of want to go into a what I'm going to call uh, so nicely the booth review. I've got a couple of questions here that are kind of lightning round questions as we and and recap up the show for you guys uh, to answer. So first question, uh, to his brother going to Maryland. Good move, bad move. What do you think? Um, I don't know. I want to say it's a good move. I don't think anything good ever comes out of an Alabama QB. And going, then again, he's going to Maryland and you can see Ohio State. And they're going to go off against him. So in that sense, it's a bad move, but... I mean, I don't think he was going to do anything amazing while he was at Alabama, so good move to leave there, bad move to go to Maryland. For me, this is a great move. Um, He obviously needed to move somewhere else. I don't think he was the future at Alabama, but Maryland is a a team on the rise, and I think uh, with the new coaching staff there that in two or three years they could become a contender in the Big Ten. That is that's that's probably one of the hottest takes I think I've heard from anyone so far. So uh, I, I commend you on that, Jordan. <laughs> um, will there be a college football season, guys? What do you think? There will be something. There will be something. I don't know if we're going to get the full season, but there's going to be some college football. Uh, and also whether or not that's in the fall or the spring is still to be determined. But we're going to get something this year. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Um, I think it's honestly going to be in the spring on – I was talking to a guy who has, he played college football, he played in the NFL. I was talking to him the other day and he said um, he doesn't think students are going to return to colleges at all in the fall. So if that's the case, then we're not going to get any football until at least after that. 
So I think we'll get something, like Jordan said, if it's in the fall or spring, to be determined. But I hope we get something. Yeah, I think college football fans should definitely be expecting a spring season. Guys, which professional sport, other than the ones that are coming out this week, do you think will be the first to return? Hmm. I think the NBA will come before the MLB. I, yeah, I think there's a lot of steps that need to happen. But, yeah, I think NBA players just want to get back out there and don't really care about the money as much as MLB players do. So I'd have to agree with that. And hockey's still out there. The NHL is still out there. But they're kind of all over the place right now, as is everybody else. So, yeah, I'll have to agree, NBA. Yeah, I would watch out for the NBA. I really hope that if they decide to come back, that they somehow figure out how to do the playoffs this year. Although... I guess this is a follow-up question to this. If for the NBA, if they return, will there be an asterisk on this year's champion? I mean, it depends like, on... It doesn't count, really? Yeah, so, like, the asterisk would be meaning that, um, like, Shaq came out and said that uh, they should just scrap the season because whoever wins this year essentially is go- isn't going to get the respect that, they did, that they're going to get for winning a championship. Well, I mean, it depends on how it's set up. If... The if you expand the playoffs, if you limit the series games, like games within a series, if it doesn't look anything like a normal playoffs, then yeah, maybe. Um, but if not, and then we get the full seven games uh, with the 16 teams, uh, I can't see how, you know, you may be able to say that, you know, the, the regular season was shortened uh, and then that there was a break in between, but we still had a playoffs and there was still a champion. Uh, I just I can't see how um, we can discount a championship uh, because we sat out for a couple months. Um, th- there was still a championship played. I, I I don't see how. I mean, somebody may be able to come to that conclusion, but I I don't think it's a very good argument. I would have to agree with that. I think that if they were to have the playoffs and started the NBA season just at the playoffs. Even if they expanded it, I think it would be one of the best playoffs that we've ever seen. I believe because of this three-month or four-month or however many long-month break it ends up being, players have, that have been hurt have had the chance to get healthy. Um, everyone is going to be coming in fresh. Even if they expanded it, say the Golden State Warriors, they're going to get Klay Thompson back. Now, how good is he going to be because he hasn't played true basketball in a while? I don't know, but he's not going to be hobbling anymore. Um Everyone will be coming in fresh. No, shouldn't have really any aches and pains unless they're doing something stupid while they're in quarantine. So I think because of that, everyone's going to want to come out and compete at the highest level because their bodies will be able to handle it. So in that case, I think this championship would be, should not be considered with an asterisk. It should definitely be real. (laughs) Yeah, I, I guys like Clay, maybe even guys like Kevin Durant, yeah. we'll see if they decide that they want to make a comeback this season. Uh, could definitely make for some really interesting headlines if the NBA decides to come back and have the playoffs. Guys, out of all the sports that are coming back this week with golf, soccer, and NASCAR, which one are you guys going to be tuning into the most? For me, it's got to be golf. I can't. I first of all, I can't stand nascar i can't stand watching people run around and race around and turn left in a circle for for an hour or two hours i I just can't do that Uh, i'm not a big soccer guy um 
hey, we got to have a little bit more scoring uh, for me to like soccer, even though I like hockey. It's kind of weird. Um, I guess if soccer players could hit like hockey players, then that would make it intriguing for me. Um, but definitely golf. Golf, um, it, it's it's soothing to watch. It's it's nice to uh, pretend as you as you sit and watch that you're out on the greens and and you know I think everybody who watches golf. Uh, also likes to think that they're just as good as anybody out there. Um, so it, it, it's a fun it's a fun watch, I think, sometimes. And you don't necessarily have to be paying attention the whole time. You can do something while you're watching golf. So for me, that'll definitely be something. Oh, especially since uh, the soccer will be played uh, at the wee hours of the morning um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. because it's in Germany. So I, <laughs> I can't see myself waking up early to to watch that. Yeah, you bring up a good point there. Um, I'm not a huge fan of watching soccer um, and the fact that it's in Germany. It's going to be early. I don't know. Not a big fan of NASCAR. I don't really see the hype around it. And I'm not really a big golf guy, but out of the three, I would have to go golf. We got, I mean, Dustin Johnson, Roy McIlroy, Ricky Fowler, they're all playing. So I think that's that's good for the, the sports world, obviously. We've had just some UFC fights, but nothing huge i guess you want to say and this is kind of big so if i if if i decide to turn into one of these three it will be golf i'm not making any promises though yeah i think out of all of these ones i gotta go golf as well i'm i'm sorry but if i wanted to watch a nascar race i'd just go out on the highway and watch people go 80 and then you know soccer i'm sorry i'm not gonna get up at two or three in the morning to watch a, a german soccer league i mean i'm just not interested in that kind of stuff now we have people that are interested in that and that's fine but you know out of all the most interesting things you know i found myself with all the sports that were being played i found myself watching golf to kind of have a relaxing sunday now i'm gonna actually watch it because it's one of the only sports that have come back so far so with that guys we are wrapping up the first ever episode of the under further review podcast thank you for listening Thank you to our guests, Colin and Jordan, for joining the show. Make sure to tune in to our blog. That's jordanriddick.wixsite.com forward slash the walk on blog. Make sure you check out all of our stuff out there. Follow our Twitter and our Instagram at the walk on blog. Make sure you share it with anyone. Like the stuff. Comment. Uh, comment for us as well. Shout us out. We'd love to have you on and we'd love to have uh, the interaction with that, guys. This is going to be the first episode, and i got to be honest, I'm ready for the continuation of this and to see what comes next. So with that being said, thank you guys for tuning in. This is the Under Further Review Podcast.